Well, good morning. I got to tell you, I'm a little troubled this morning. Um, I'm, I'm pretty insecure. And uh, when I'm standing up there and there's no one sitting in front of me, I'm like, what's going on here? Because I showered this morning. I did. But maybe you guys are afraid you're in the spit zone there or something. But uh, everybody have a good week? Good week? Good 4th of July, right? 4th of July was this past Monday. You guys have a good celebration with family and stuff like that? Got all your fingers still, didn't blow anything off. That's good, that's good. But did you, did you celebrate July 5th? Anybody? Because July 5th was National Workaholic Day. I took that day off. <laughs> but then, of course, Friday was a big day for my grandkids. Um, Friday was National Freezer Pop Day. I think they think every day is National Freezer Pop Day. But it was a big day on their calendar, I know. Well, it was a number of years ago that my wife and I became convinced that it was time to move. And there were many factors that went into this. And this wasn't our move from Illinois to Indiana. This was a move way back when. We had been living in what was our first home for about 15 years. And we decided it was time to move. And once we came to that conclusion, we were actually kind of excited. We are looking forward to a little bigger home. You know, more room for the family. I was working from home at the time, so some office space was actually pretty important. And one more bedroom meant that everyone would have their own bedroom. Everyone would have their own personal space. Now, our three girls had just started high school, so we knew that we wanted to stay within that high school district. But we still had a decision to make. And that was exactly which house should we buy. It came down to one of three, and we did what, what most of you would do, I think. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. And it was interesting because one day we were driving up to one of the homes, and this, this giant golden halo appeared over it, and an angel choir started singing, and we knew that was the house for us. Yeah, that didn't really happen. But don't you wish God worked like that? I know I do. I would prefer that God would drop a sign in front of me that says exactly what I should do. Unfortunately, God doesn't typically work that way. He tends to be much more subtle. Now, in our case, there was no clear sign. So we did what any left-brain dominant person would do. We let mathematics decide. We did a weighted average calculation to determine which home we were going to buy. It's a true story. We did this. We did this. We ranked all the characteristics of the homes that we were looking for. We assigned each one a value. And we calculated this weighted average. And we used that to choose our next home. 
You guys make decisions like that? Probably not. But I'm guessing, see, I told you before that you don't want to get inside this mind. You might never get out. You make decisions in different ways, right? And, and maybe you've tried this method. Uh, you've heard of the, 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 the guy who takes the Bible, you know, closes his eyes, opens the Bible, points to a verse, right? Well, the one guy that did that, he pointed to the verse and it said, Judas went out and hanged himself. He was a little troubled by that, but he tried again. And he looked down and said, go and do likewise. <laughs> now he was like really kind of freaking out, but he was going to try it one more time. He opened it, he looked down and it said, what you are going to do, do quickly. <laughs> decisions, decisions. Every day, friends, we all have decisions to make. And some of these choices are quite mundane, right? Like, what am I going to wear today? What are we going to have for dinner? But then there are the big decisions of life, you know, about career, about what home to buy, or maybe about who to marry. And we all want to make good decisions, decisions that benefit ourselves and benefit our futures. One of the most challenging questions in life is, how do we make good decisions? Well, our sermon series for this summer is entitled, Wisdom for Today. And to this point, we've spent some time looking at the opening chapters of the book of Proverbs. And there we've learned about the beginning of wisdom, right? Proverbs 1.7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction, right? We're going to memorize that. We're going to memorize that. And we're memorizing it because this verse tells us where to begin. We begin with God. It all begins with God. But it also reminds us about the two roads that we see in life, right? The path of foolishness, which leads to death and destruction, and then the path of wisdom, which leads to life, life, the path of wisdom, which leads to life. Now, if we're honest, in most instances, the choice really appears to be fairly straightforward. I mean, we can typically identify sin versus righteousness. Now, we don't always make the right choice, but it most times is pretty obvious which is sin, which is righteousness. But what about those decisions that aren't as clear? They're not as conspicuous. How then do we discern the path of wisdom? Now, if you remember last week, at the end of chapter 2, Solomon encourages us to walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. So really the question becomes, how do we walk in the ways of the good? How do we walk according to God's will? How do we walk according to His sovereign plan for our lives? Well, today Solomon is going to share some wisdom with us that is going to lead us to blessing 
but he's also going to show us how to walk in the ways of the good, how to keep to the paths of the righteous. And what we're going to see is that it really all hinges on trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. So our scripture for today is found in Proverbs chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at the entire chapter, verses 1 through 35. And really what we see in the beginning of this chapter is the third lecture or teaching that we find in the opening chapters of Proverbs. And again, it is from Solomon to his son. But we read this knowing that this is not just for the son, this is for everyone. This is for us today. This is wisdom for today as well. And in the first four, uh, first 12 verses, what we see are four actions, four actions that are going to help us walk in the way of the good. So if you're taking notes, you've got four things to write down here. Now, the teaching begins like the others that we've looked at. It begins with an exhortation. Solomon says in verse 1 and following, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, in this introductory, introductory exhortation, what we find is the first action on the path of the good. So we walk in the way of the good by valuing God's word and obeying it. Valuing God's word and obeying it. The New International Version begins with, Do not forget my teaching." Other translations say, do not forget my law. And we want to make sure we understand that Solomon isn't talking about his own decrees here. No, he is talking about God's law. He's encouraging us not to forget what it is we have here in this book. What we have are the words from God himself. And we should keep those words in our hearts, we internalize them, we, they, we, we make them personal. But you know, it goes much further than that. The English Standard Version says, let your heart keep my commandments. So this is more than just a mental exercise here. There's effort involved. It's not just memorizing. It means a life of obedience. It means obeying God's commands, obeying God's law. We also notice that obedience is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. We don't just conform to these laws because we have to, because we're compelled to. No, we have a heart for God. We love God. And we want to obey Him. And... As usual, Solomon lays out the benefit for us from this life and heart that obey God. In principle, 
in principle, and I emphasize in principle, obedience really leads to long life and peace. In principle. What we want to remember is that this is not a promise. Do not mistake this for the prosperity gospel. In general, in general, a life lived God's way will mean lifelong peace, regardless of the length of days. Solomon also tells us that we can never allow God's love and faithfulness, which are the perfections of his character, we can never allow those to leave us. They must become part of us, part of our nature. It says to write them on the tablet of your heart. And it's interesting to note here that this verb write, this is a verb that is in the imperative, which means it's not a suggestion. This is, in fact, a command. He's saying, do it. How do we write God's word on the tablet of our heart? Well, memorization is certainly a good way to do it. That's why we're trying to memorize Proverbs 1-7, right? Write God's words on the tablet of your heart. And the Holy Spirit will use that to sanctify you, to make you more like God, make you more holy. Write it on the tablet of your heart. And, and in verse 4, Solomon tells us that there's a benefit to valuing God's word and living in obedience to it. He says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So a life of obedience to the word is pleasing to the God that it honors. In principle, we enjoy the favor of God. And others will see a life that's well-lived and, and you'll win favor in their sight as well. They'll respect you and treat you fairly as you treat them with respect and fairness. In principle. Again, this is not a, a rule. But the first step, friends, to walking in the way of the good is to value God's word and to obey it. The second is really the linchpin that all the others rely on. It's trust God. Trust God. Verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And this Hebrew word that's translated trust, it means literally to, to lie helpless, to lie face down. It's the picture of a servant waiting for a master's command, ready to obey. Trust God. And trust Him completely. Trust Him with, with your whole heart. We cannot hold anything back. We cannot trust Him with you know, just parts of our lives and then hold on to the rest. No, we give Him everything. We cannot lean on our own understanding. Our wisdom is not greater than God's. We're not smarter than Him. Although very often we act like we are, right? We think we know better than God. You believe that? We think we know better than God? 
But see, very often we base it on what we want, right? On our will. And what we want is not necessarily to please God. We're selfish beings. I admit it. I see it in me. But we can submit to Him. And it says, submit to Him in all that we do. Again, we don't hold any part of our lives back. This is total commitment. Total commitment. And once again, believe it or not, this is a command. It's a command. Submit to Him. Acknowledge Him. And the command, really, friends, is to know Him. Be intimately acquainted with God. Be in fellowship with Him. And if we know Him, we'll know His will. I like the way the New Living Translation treats this. It says, Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. That nails it. That nails it. So in order to walk in the way of the good, we must trust God. Third, we must be humble. We must be humble. We must humble ourselves before the God of the universe. Verse 6 and 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And friends, this really explains what it means to not lean on our own understanding. Too often we consider our wisdom greater than God's, right? We talked about this just a moment ago. But the truth is our wisdom, our wisdom is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. We must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves and we must understand who God is. God as the creator of the heavens and the earth, things seen and unseen. And we have to understand who we are. We are his creation. And we have to understand the relationship that we should have between us and God. And when we do that, we will humble ourselves. We will fall before him with reverence and awe. Friends, that is fear of the Lord. And the more we fear, the more we are drawn away from evil and toward God. And again, Solomon gives us the benefit here. This is good for our health in principle. And it's not just our spiritual health but our physical health as well. So to walk in the way of the good, we must value God's word and obey it. We must trust God. We must be humble and reverent. And we must honor him with our possessions. Verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And you know, a lot of people think that this is out of place here. This doesn't make sense. Why is Solomon talking about this here? But honestly, friends, this is an application, a very practical way of trusting in the Lord with all your heart. 
When we truly trust him with everything, we can honor him by giving. We can honor him with our generosity. And in doing that, we acknowledge that all we have is a gift from God. It's all his anyway. We've just been entrusted with it, and we must be good stewards of the gifts that God has blessed us with. And we do that with our first fruits. That's what it says. It says that throughout the Old Testament. First fruits. We give to God first, and then we live on what's left. Unfortunately, very often we have it the other way around. If there's anything left, well, then I'll give something to God. It's not how it works. It's about first fruits. It's about first fruits. And if we do that, God will honor that sacrifice with blessing. Again, again, I want to emphasize this is not the prosperity gospel. This is not a mechanical formula to gain God's favor or to get rich. No, that's not what this is. These are principles for living. This is God's law. And if we value it, we will obey it. Honor God with your wealth. So what we have here really is an outline of the steps to walking in the way of the good, walking in step with God's will. If we do this, we will be able to make good decisions about the roads that we take in life. We'll be able to discern the path of wisdom versus the path of foolishness. Now, question, can we do all of this perfectly? Nah, nah, we can't, we can't. At times, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to choose the wrong path. But friends, we have a heavenly Father that loves us so much that He's willing to correct us. Solomon goes on in verses 11 and 12 to say, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. You know, when we do lose our way on life's path, God is going to correct us. He's going to get us back on track. And he might use some nasty means to do it. But he's going to correct us. And we are to welcome the correction of our Heavenly Father who loves us. Who loves us. And he knows what's best for us. Much better than we do. And verses 13 and following really speak to the blessings of walking in the way of the good. It says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, to those to hold her, those who hold her fast will be blessed. 
So twice we hear this word blessed. We see it at the beginning of verse 13. We see it at the very end here of 18. And this word blessed is the word makarios. Makarios, which is really much better translated happy or, or, or more accurately fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. That's what it means to be blessed. And again, Solomon emphasizes the value of wisdom. We've talked about this in weeks past. Wisdom is more valuable than gold, more valuable than riches, or anything, anything. And not only are we satisfied, but it says we are at peace. All the paths of wisdom are peace. And then we see a reference here to the tree of life, to the tree of life. And this this is a reflection of the Garden of Eden where there was perfect peace, perfect peace with God until sin destroyed that relationship. But you know, God made a way to restore that relationship, to restore that peace. He sent the embodiment of, of wisdom and peace, his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. He came to reconcile us to God and to restore that peace that we had in the very beginning. And then verses 19 and 21 tell us, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. So friends, God created everything, the heavens and the earth, and he created them through wisdom. And we're going to hear a lot more about that when we get to Proverbs chapter 8. But he created everything through wisdom. And the Apostle Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, we've referenced this before, really tells us more about who wisdom is. In verses 15 through 17 of Colossians 1, he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you see what Paul's telling us here? Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is the answer to walking in the way of the good. Then the remainder of the chapter really is another exhortation to walk securely in the way of wisdom, to walk securely in the way of Christ. It says, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble when you lie down You will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. 
if we keep Christ in sight, if we keep wisdom in sight, we don't have to be afraid. We stay focused on Christ. And when we understand that Christ is, in fact, wisdom, it gives all new meaning to all of Proverbs, in particular, verse 13, because it says, happy are those who find, what? Wisdom. Happy are those who find Christ. He is more valuable than gold. His paths are the paths of peace. He is the tree of life to those who take hold of him. Jesus, Jesus is our focus. He will guide our paths. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can sleep soundly. We can be at peace. And Solomon finishes the chapter with really some practical lessons from wisdom. It says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit the earth, but fools get only shame. And really, when we consider the totality of what Solomon teaches us in Proverbs, what he's doing is he's encouraging us to love wisdom, to seek after wisdom. In other words, love God, seek after God. And then what we see in this last section here, it speaks to loving our neighbors. Loving our neighbors. Treating them according to God's love. And friends, this all reinforces what Jesus told us in the New Testament. What are the two greatest commands? Love God, love others. Here it is. It's right here. This is what Solomon is telling us to do. Love God, love others. So we value and obey God's word. We trust him completely. We walk humbly with him and we honor him with our wealth. This is walking in the way of the good. And Proverbs teaches us that there are real benefits to walking in this way. But here's the question. Does this mean that God is going to tell us exactly what to do in any given situation? Probably not. We're still going to come to crossroads and we're still going to have to choose. 
And there probably isn't going to be a giant gold halo or an angel choir singing or a sign that comes down and says, do this. God rarely gives us an overt answer. Sometimes he does, but it's pretty rare. But what he does do is he tells us how to live in our choice. God may not tell us what job to take, but he tells us to do a good job and be ethical and fair. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. God may not tell us which house to buy, but he tells us how to treat our neighbors. We just read it from chapter 3, verse 29. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. God may not tell us exactly who to marry, but he tells us what kind of person to marry. Proverbs 12, 4, a wife of noble character is her husband's greatest crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. You facing any decisions today? If you're not, you probably will before too long. Four things, four things that really equate to submitting to his will. Submit to his will. Do those four things and trust that he will not allow you to make a wrong decision. And don't, don't try to do it on your own. And don't use math. Although that actually did work out pretty good. But I'm sure that the Lord had a hand in that as well. But friends, the bottom line is trust in the Lord with everything you have. And he will make straight your paths. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have made a way, that you've given us wisdom And Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless us with with wisdom, that you would continue to pour your wisdom out upon us, guide us in life. And Lord, may we we value your word above anything and and obey it. Lord, may may we trust in you completely. May we humble ourselves before you and may we honor you with all that you've given us. May we walk in the way of the good, Lord, and trust in you completely. Father, continue to pour out your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.